0: Congratulations, Joe. It won't be the same without you out there on Sundays. You are going to leave a huge
1: hole in our hearts, a hole so big that even Trent Richardson could see it. When Joe Thomas was drafted, I remember the announcer saying he's not a sexy pick, but he's a good pick. Well, throughout the last 11 years,
0: nobody has been less sexy and more good than Joe Thomas at what he's done. Hey. Joe, I'm really f***ing drunk, but I just want you to know that I've been a Cleveland Browns fan my whole life, and I'm only 21 years old, so you're like one of the only good Cleveland Browns in my
1: whole life, and I love you, so have a good retirement. I love you. Hey Joe, Paul here from Lakewood, Ohio. Just wanted to thank you on your years of service for the Cleveland Browns, and for making it so that being a big guy with a beard is cool again in Cleveland. Hey, Joe, just wanted to let you know that I thought that hug with you and LeBron was one of the most special Cleveland sports moments that I've ever seen as a fan. And your guy's hug reminded me of almost every middle school dance where the boy and the girl
0: hug each other and they're kind of like rocking back and forth and it's just kind of awkward looking. You definitely got your middle school dance on with LeBron. Congrats.
2: Hey, Joe. Uh, I'm not even going to lie, dude. I was actually thinking about getting a tattoo of, like, your snap. Uh, it's nice to see somebody who's so successful, but also humble. And same goes with, well, I wouldn't call Hawk humble. But you guys are both cool guys, you know, and that's, that's my point. All right. Ah, oh, shit, I didn't really think this through before I called.
1: Hi,
0: Joe. I'd like to personally thank you for, um, shit, I messed up. I'm going to call back.
2: I heard Joe Thomas' day is on July 3rd, and that's my birthday. And my brother was also born on my fifth birthday, so thanks for clogging up my day even more.
0: Joey T. Many greats call it quit after winning the Super Bowl and finishing on top. You, my friend, topped them all by going out after an 0 16 season. Joe, you're the man, and will be missed. Go Browns. <laughs> Bro, I, can't. The I can't with this. All right. So <laughs> I guess all my listeners understand who you're listening to now. This is the Tomahawk Show. Welcome. Before we get into it, listen, subscribe, rate our podcast five stars anywhere podcasts are available. Hit us up on Twitter with the hashtag Tomahawk. Make sure you check out our Reddit page at the Tomahawk Show. Listen, today's show is all about Joe Thomas. Stories from his NFL career. We'll hear special messages. And special guests throughout the show, much like the one you just heard from the fans that made the intro today and making today such a special day. We have myself, obviously my co-host Joe Thomas and NFD, the man with no face, but all the swag.
1: I can't believe you clogged up that guy's birthday, man.
2: <laughs> How great is that? He, he was legitimately upset, and that's what I loved about that voicemail. It was like he was not calling in to say thanks. He was calling in to say, you suck. You screwed up my holiday. You screwed up my 4th of July. Everything's ruined now.
0: He was calling to say Joe Hawk yourself. Yeah. Is basically what <laughs> that it was
2: is. awesome, man. And no I- one has been less sexy we <laughs> are good. That was pretty funny. But I really like the one about you guys went out on 0-16. Nobody <laughs> ever has done that before. Everyone else goes out winning the Super Bowl. That is hilarious. You know what? I'm going to say something. I think we really need to start this. We need to get a voicemail line for the fans so that they can call and ask us questions on voicemail or just tell us how much we suck. And we can play those on a daily basis. So we're gonna put NFD on assignment because that was awesome. Well I we agree. currently have your voicemail set up. If you yeah. want everybody calling your voicemail, let's that's just, fine. This is making the Tomahawk line. Yeah. Well, I, think I think that's a great way idea way I mean
1: don't don't bother me in your inboxes, Hawk. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <Just> everything goes <laughs> <Don't> to Joe. <laughs> I'll yeah. give that number out again right now. We if you should want.
2: give it out again, Dan. And that, I think that should be a recurring theme on this show. I love it. 216
1: 928 7300. That is Joe Thomas's direct line.
0: All right, so let's get into it. Look, first question, not even question, statement. Tell us your best story from your first game. Like, give us give us a story from your first game that the yeah. fans will want to hear. Yeah,
2: here's a story from my first game. Uh, Romeo Cornell's the head coach. It's practice prep for the first game of my NFL career. I'd already faced Jared Allen in the preseason, so I felt like, you know, I was getting ready. And I'm watching film, and at this point I don't really know much about the NFL. Like, uh-huh. I don't know the guys. I don't know the personnel. And the first game of my career is against the Steelers, right? So – Uh, Those of you who've paid attention in the NFL world in the last 10 years and haven't lived under a rock, they have an outside backer by the name of James Harrison, the uh, silverback gorilla, that's what they call him in Pittsburgh, and uh, he's a monster out there, but this actually was, I want to say, maybe only his first or second season in the NFL, because... He bounced around the league between like Baltimore and Pittsburgh. He might have even been in Cleveland's training camp and NFL uh-huh. Europe, and he was all over the place. So it took him a while to catch on, but he finally caught on in Pittsburgh. And the first game of my career, I'm going to go against James Harrison. So I look at the scouting report. It's like, 5'8", 250, and he runs like a 5'0". I'm like, who the heck is this mutant? How is he playing in the NFL? Who is this walk-on yeah. linebacker that I'm playing against? Yeah, and uh, I just remember Romeo used to have a lot of big team meetings where he'd go over the game plan, and he would talk about the matchups, and he would grill guys. It was a Parcells-Belichick method. And he was grilling me all week trying to get me ready to make sure that I'd studied my opponent. Uh And I just – I'll never forget sitting in that meeting and he would say, what was James Harrison's favorite move? And I said, bull rush. And he'd be like, wrong. The (laughs) right answer is speed to power. James Harrison's going to run three steps up the field, put his head down, and put a hole right through your chest. (laughs) And I was like, wow, this is scary. I'm like really concerned about this guy, but I still didn't really know much about him. And then Sunday comes around and I ended up playing the game. I thought I played pretty well, but – I think he may have got a sack on me here and there, but it was such a welcome to the NFL moment because this guy was so strong and so powerful. And he was like nobody that I'd faced in college the way he could just move you and you had no chance. You were just hanging on for dear life. Uh, but the welcome to the NFL moment actually happened in the middle of that game, also, because. From James Harrison? It wasn't from James Harrison, believe it or not. It was from ah. in Whoop. typical Cleveland fashion. What was the score at of that game? We were down, I don't know, twenty-eight to seven or something. We were getting our butts whipped, <laughs> and all off season the starting quarterback was Charlie Fry. You know, he was putting together team barbecues and team boat trips. Not love boat trips, just regular boat trips. <laughs> oh, that's the fun one. And he was doing the leadership thing that all quarterbacks. I mean, for for all I knew, he was Peyton Manning, right? Right. Charlie Fry, homegrown hero. He, we were going to take us to the Super Bowl. Yeah. And the first half, Charlie took like six sacks, and he threw like three picks. Uh-huh. I may be exaggerating a little bit, but he did not play <laughs> well in the first right. half. But still, you know, as a rookie, you don't know anything. You're like, yeah, let's go. We're going to win it in the second half. You know, you don't know anything. Right. And at halftime, we come out, and they're like, Derek Anderson's the starter, Char- <laughs> Charlie Fry's been benched, and I'm like, what? He played one half of one season of the opener, of the opener, and uh, I'm like, whoa, this is a weird thing, and then we ended up playing the rest of the game, Derek Anderson played pretty well, uh-huh. we still got our butts whipped, we lost by like 40, and we come in Monday, the very next day, and I found out that they had traded Charlie Fry to Seattle for I think a sixth round pick. Welcome. And now Derek Anderson <laughs> was our starter. So the guy that we spent all off season in the weight room with, leading <laughs> us in team meetings, being our guy that was breaking us down. He was going to be our fearless leader, taking us to the Super Bowl. The guy Bowl. you told you you take a bullet I bullet was going to take game. a bullet for Charlie Fry, and then he got traded the first day after the first game Welcome of my NFL career. to the
0: league. I actually was a big Charlie Fry fan because he, he, he was an Akron quarterback. He was an Akron guy. So, Matt, guy. I, Matt guys, I was just always like, man, I can't believe we made it to the NFL. So, whenever he did, <laughs> it was like, you always give guys like me hope to be like, oh, there's, there's a chance. So, all right, so does that mean James Harrison was the, is the guy you're most excited about
2: never having to play again, or is there another <laughs> player out there? I would say he's got to be up there because he is a big ball rush guy. You know, whether you want to call it speed James to power Harrison, or what. Silly, man. I know you, you talk a lot of smack oh, on James I can't here, wait but to run you know hand. that he's at least two-hour drive away or you wouldn't be talking like that. Nah, <laughs>
0: listen, James, if you're listening, and I'm somebody tweet this to James Harrison. when I <laughs> I'll see tweet him. It to him. There's going to be an issue between me and him. He knows what it is. I know what it is. A lot of beef. And there's only one way to handle it, and that's with the fisticuffs.
2: Sounds like he needs to come on the show.
0: Yeah, th- it'd be his w- it'd be his worst nightmare. <laughs> May- Maybe we that. can
2: promote some type of a boxing event between the two of you. I'm down. We Would you it charity? Uh, yeah, charity boxing. Uh, charity boxing. Is there going to be a weight class, or are, are it we going to you're going to go up to 250? It doesn't matter
0: how heavy it gets. It's not going to save him. He oh, can't, eat his, wow. he can't wow. eat his way out of this. Wow. He can't eat his way out of this ass Hot take. Hot take. All right.
2: Oh All yeah. Right. So James Harrison, when you walk out of that game, you got a headache. He's the guy you don't want to see. I'm very happy I don't ever have to see him again, at least on the football field. But apparently, <laughs> I'm going to watch him kick your ass in the boxing <laughs> ring. <room. laughs> what?
0: You're drunk, man. All right, we'll move on. I- I'll lay off of James for a second. All right. So the- another question we got here: quarterbacks. Where are we going with the quarterback? Who Who is the easiest quarterback to protect?
2: I would say the easiest quarterback I ever had to protect was probably between Derek Anderson and Jake DeLome. And Jake DeLome. Okay. So Jake, because he was a savvy vet, he was always where he needed to be, he always threw the ball in rhythm, he never had to hold your block a long time, and Derek Anderson from for a lot of the same reasons. He was a big, tall guy, so he didn't need to drop deep in the pocket. And for those of you guys that didn't play 11 years at tackle in the NFL – the deeper the quarterback gets in the pocket, the harder it is for you to block him because you've got more room to go. And the longer the race is between you and a guy that's faster than you playing defensive end, the more likely he is to win. Because yeah. it's essentially like when you're playing left tackle, it's like a 10-yard sprint, but you get a three-yard head start as a tackle. So if it turns into a 20-yard sprint, now the guy's definitely going to beat you. So the further deep in the pocket the quarterback is, the harder it is for a tackle to protect him. Derek was a guy that didn't get very deep because he was tall. He could see over his line. He was able to step up, and he threw the ball in rhythm most of the time. And I would say the year that he was the starter, the whole year, we were 10-6. and six. I think he, he won 10 games himself, or nine games, and I think Brady Quinn won one. But uh, we had a good offense. We were moving down the field. We never had to hang on to the ball very long, and so it made our job pretty easy. So who, then who was the toughest to
0: protect? If that's easy, it's the easiest, the toughest it, to protect. Was Derek Anderson his all Joe team quarterback? He was. He was. He was. Yeah. I mean, we
2: won ten games. Like, yeah, yeah it's I, hard to be. Uh, Hoyer, we won seven when he was here. Right. But we, I mean, we were a legitimate team. We were ten. ten a wins A Titans loss in week seventeen away from making the playoffs, and we were tied to win the division with Pittsburgh, but we lost the head to head. They were. We were both ten and six that year. All
0: right. Well, before you give us a tough. So, anyways, let's. let's we got. A, we're gonna play. There's a tear in my got a espresso.
2: Joe, what's up, man? Josh McCallum here. Wanted to say congrats on an excellent career. What an awesome privilege it was to play with you uh, because you made everybody around you better from the detail of your work to your toughness. Truly a legend. And uh, just wish I was there to give you a hug like LeBron. Either way, man, keep crushing the podcast with Hawk. And I will see you in Canton because I'll probably be playing on my 19th team in the Hall of Fame game. Love you, bro. Joe
0: Thomas, what's up, baby? This is one of the three black quarterbacks you had the liberty of blocking for. This is Cynical Wallace, man. Hey, uh, just want to congratulate you, man, on a, a hell of a ride. It was a hell of a career for you. Uh, it sucks that you weren't able to make it to the big dance, but blessings, uh, love you, and uh, we'll be talking to you soon. I know the wife will reach out to your wife and maybe we'll make it back to... Cleveland, Ohio, baby. Joe Thomas, man, is Thad Lewis. I want to say congratulations, man. You deserve to retire. You've been through it all, especially putting up with a guy like me that actually had to play in the last game of the season. You could have easily shut it down, but you were a true professional and a trooper, man, and I respect you for that, man. I wish you well on your future endeavors, and I just wanted to be one of the guys to tell you congratulations. Thanks for blocking from me. I don't think you gave up a tag that game, so I really appreciate that there, brother. Hey, this is
2: Derek Anderson.
1: Uh, I just want to call and congratulate Joe on uh, fine retirement, Uh, many bird hunting trips, and fun time with his family and his kids. Just want to say thank you for the time that we had together. It was an honor. As I've told you before, I wish we could have got you in the playoffs and done a little bit better. But congratulations to you, Joe, buddy. Uh, I really appreciate everything you've done for me. Joe. This is Bruce Gretkowski.
0: Congratulations, my man. Congratulations on a great career. Hey, I know we only played together for four weeks. And I only started one game with you, but I've never felt more secure and safe in that game than you have in my blind side. Congratulations, my man. Whatever you do next, you're going to be successful because that's just how you are. And I'm looking forward to the retirement party. Hopefully I
2: get the invite.
1: All right, Joe, so that's five of the quarterbacks you blocked for leaving a special special message for you. What's your reaction to that?
2: <laughs> that was pretty awesome, man. That was so cool that a few of those guys took time out of their day. Each one of those guys – I associate with some awesome memories. Now, we always didn't win a lot of games. (laughs) Mostly. Uh, We didn't win many games. Derek Anderson still sounds sad (laughs) about not getting into the playoffs that year. But that was so fun. I mean, each one of those, I've got some amazing memories that I hope I'll be able to take with me for the rest of my life. Um, It was cool that you guys started it out with a fan. You know, yeah. you, you, Josh McCown's the number one fan of the Tomahawk yeah, show. Tomahawk number and, one. Fan. Uh, so it's great that you threw a fan in there at the beginning. That exactly. was pretty neat. We hit both buckets. Uh, yeah. And, and Seneca, well, that was awesome. He sounded like a late night, like jazz radio <laughs> DJ or something there. That was pretty cool. And uh, I, I was one of the true. First spreaders of diversity in the NFL, you were. as many black quarterbacks as I was able to protect, and we had a couple of them on there. Right, you had that quite a few. You, you I you have, definitely reached your quota for the Rooney Rule. I, I definitely have so checked y- the Rooney Rule the off NFL my box. The about that. <laughs> so,
1: what is more likely to happen? Josh McCown is still playing in the NFL in five years when you're inducted to Canton, or Bruce Gradkowski gets invited to your retirement party. <laughs> <laughs> that's a very good That's question. good. I period. love
2: Bruce, and so I think Bruce coming to my party is definitely going to happen. Obviously, if he brings his family and his mom cooks me another amazing can dinner can like he did, like he did when we were in Pittsburgh, that would be cool. Can cater. Uh, it was nice. I'm like his little security blanket, so <laughs> that's a lot of fun. <laughs> that was funny. All right, so who, who was
0: the hardest quarterback to protect?
2: <laughs> Believe it or not, I'm going to say that um, – Josh McCown was probably the hardest quarterback (laughs) I've had to protect. Now, a lot of people would think like Johnny or maybe Robert or like some of the guys that were more well-known for escaping and extending plays. Uh, Uh, But with Josh, and this is not a knock on Josh at all, but um, if the first, second, third, fourth targets were not open – he is such a competitor that he just can't stand throwing the ball away, and he's just gonna <laughs> hang in there as long as he possibly can, before he just gets absolutely creamed and tries to get rid of the ball. And uh, I think that's why we got his collarbone broken like ten times when he was, I was in Cleveland say, it's probably because why uh, he kept getting hurt. He he made a lot of great plays late in the shot clock after the ball's been snapped, and he made a lot of great throws. But a lot of times he took some massive hits because he just. He just is such a competitor. He just does not want to throw that ball away. That's funny, man. Well, what is it like protecting some mobile quarterbacks? You talked about them. Is, that,
1: is it easier or is it harder? Because I would think it's easier because they can move around. They're going to extend the
2: play a little bit, but that might make it harder for you because you don't know where they're going to be. No, I actually think it's easier now – that's because I know that once the quarterback starts running, and after a certain amount of time, he's on his own. Yeah. I'm off the hook. So, like, I
0: officially did not give this sack up. I, if like, he gets hit. The
2: people at home are cussing me out because my guy made the snack, but I did everything I could. Like, there's literally nothing you can do once the guy starts running around. You can give great effort and try to hustle after your guy, but right. after about four seconds in the play, like, the quarterback's kind of on their own. And so, really, when Johnny runs around and then gets smacked by my guy or, you know, one of these guys is. is running out of the pocket and trying to extend the play. Uh That's not on me anymore. I'm sorry about that. (laughs) Well, speaking of mobile quarterbacks, we got another one, another message here for you.
1: We
0: got another one. Here we go.
1: Hey, Joe, it's Robert Griffin III. Just calling to congratulate you on a Hall of Fame career and your much-deserved retirement. Truly
0: enjoyed our talks to 7, 8, 9 p.m. at night during the season, getting ready
2: for the games. And I just want you to know, if you ever need someone to blame, you can always blame your last win on me.
0: <laughs> oh, Hot three. take. That's Hot right. Take.
2: You know, that's right. He's definitely going to make the Hall of Fame speech for sure. It's yeah. going to be, I got to thank Robert Griffin, the quarterback that I was able to enjoy my last win of my career with. Oh. Now it happened two years before I retired, <laughs> <laughs> but that was amazing. That, ca- that one win we years. got. <laughs> that's funny, man.
0: That's funny you played for your Hall of Fame speech already. That is a little... <laughs> is that a, that's presumptuous. There's no a, a doubt about it. A little presumptuous. I mean, no I'm doubt. all for it. I mean, I think that's the conversation we always no lead doubt. with. It's certainly presumptuous. Nonetheless, it's still a little presumptu- presumptuous.
2: Presumptuous, for but that's sure. that's
0: fine. We also have another... We might as well go ahead and play all the quarterbacks.
1: Hey, this is Brian Hoyer, Joe's favorite quarterback out of the 22. Um, God, there's so many stories I could tell about Joe, but uh, I saw in his press conference today, he mentioned his dance moves after the Tennessee game. I'd beg to argue that he wasn't much better than me. But, you know, that was one of the memories that I'll have etched in my brain forever. And to know that he shares that memory and and, and something that I could share with him, someone who was such a great player, but to me an even better person. And so congratulations, Joe. Proud and happy to uh, call you a a
0: friend and and teammate. And uh, good luck with your next chapter. Yo, what's up? It's Jason Campbell. Hey, man, I just want to congratulate you on a awesome career, Hall of Fame career. You're a true citizen and a true citizen to the Ohio area. And I'm pretty sure people are, are happy to, to know that you was a Cleveland Brown your whole career and uh, that you didn't run when tough when times got tough. And I appreciate the opportunity to play with you. Congratulations, man, and continue to do what you do, continue to to help others around you, and uh, be a modest citizen, man. Jason Campbell, just want to say congratulations.
1: Hey Joe, Austin Davis here. Wanted to call and congratulate you on an incredible career and uh, let you know what an honor it was to be one of the many, many quarterbacks that you blocked for uh, during your time with Cleveland. And just want to say thank you for remembering my name when you named off all those quarterbacks off the top of your head. That was impressive. I know I was last, but at least you remembered. This is Josh Johnson, the only guy you never knew my name. Congratulations on a
0: hell of a career. Always been a big fan of yours and respected the way you did it, how you did it in the trenches unheard of from being one of the great and the best to ever do it. So, again, much love and respect to a hell of a career.
2: Hey, this is Connor Shaw. And since it may be hard for you to remember all of us, let me distinguish myself. I would say I'm the white ball guy, but sure enough, there's been a handful of those you've had the pleasure of blocking for. So I'm the guy that had to repeat myself in the huddle due to my country accent and was once told by you that I was the best-dressed third-stringer
0: in the league, which, lo and behold, may be my best memory from Cleveland. In all seriousness, congrats, Joe. The game will miss you. Go Brownies, go. Oh, man, that's good. Hey, can we tell the Josh Johnson story really quick? Because that's a good one.
2: Man, got I need a couple of stories
0: I, to rehash I, for that bunch.
2: There's so many stories in there, I mean – After 11 years and 20-some quarterbacks, there wasn't a lot of winning, but there was a lot of fun stories that I'll never forget. And for the record, Josh Johnson, I will never forget you the rest of my (laughs) life because that is probably the best story of my entire NFL career. And we're going to go into it right now. Yes. So we're playing in Pittsburgh – it's I feel like all your stories are against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, because all of my best stories were the first game of the season or the last game, <laughs> and we always played Pittsburgh first and last for whatever reason. And the last game was always a brand-new quarterback. Yeah, the, la- the last game was a <laughs> brand-new quarterback is right. I- that would be a good stat if we had a stat boy to look up. We do. We need an intern.
0: NFD does everything until we get three interns. <laughs> we're still in the search for three interns. Until then, NFD is our research guy, our producer, our uh, third co-host. He's our he the interior ads. decorator. I wear a lot of hats. He, was, Ma- <laughs> he makeup, wears a lot of hats. Makeup, hair and makeup.
2: So you're in Pittsburgh. So we're in Pittsburgh. It's probably 2012 or 11. I'm not sure. Uh-huh. It's somewhere in my middle ages, middle career ages. Uh-huh. And, of course, our quarterback gets crippled like week 15 or 16. <laughs> and I actually think Thad Lewis may have been the quarterback in that game. That got crippled? That got crippled in that game. Uh-huh. He was already the third stringer. So we were already down to, like, Thad, right. who was our third stringer. He'd been there a few weeks. But going into that game, we only had one quarterback on the roster, so we had to sign a couple guys. So we signed, I think, Rich Bartels, if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. and Josh Johnson. And then I think they had, like, a, uh, a game of horse on the field to decide who was the second <laughs> and who was the third stringer, throwing the ball at the goalpost. And they are like, oh, yep, you did a better job in the horse game, so I think you're the second stringer this week. Uh, unfortunately for Josh, he won the second string roll, and it's the fourth quarter of the game in Pittsburgh, and we're driving, actually making a nice drive down the field, we're going towards the river, if you've ever been in Heinz Field, mm-hmm. towards the scoreboard, yep. and my left guard totally blows the protection, he goes the wrong way, and I think it was Kiesel at the time, completely decapitates poor Thad Lewis, I mean, uh-huh. he's dead. they bring the ambulance on the field they take him off and sure enough the guy that nobody knows who he is that just showed up like a day ago trots onto the field and it happened to be josh johnson but at the time i didn't know who it was so he gets into the field they're carting thad lewis's lifeless body off the field and this guy's standing in the huddle and going you know trying to get ready to say the play and i go wait a minute (laughs) <laughs> Who the hell are you? <laughs> and he goes, I'm your quarterback. And I go, oh, what's your name? He's like, Josh Johnson. I'm like, nice to meet you, Josh. I'm your left tackle, Joe Thomas. So we ended up, he came in for one play. I think the left guard screwed the protection again. And then <laughs> Josh Johnson gets crippled. Oh, gosh. <laughs> And then so, somehow Thad Lewis... Gets uh, magic sponge water put on him, and he comes back in the game. This is like a uh, episode for, like, of Blue Mountain down. State. No, that was actually the last play of the game.
1: Josh comes in, okay. and he gets sacked and fumbles the ball. <laughs> okay. So we give Bruce Gradkowski, friend of the show, a lot of shit about his stat line and his start. Yeah. But Josh Johnson played one play,
2: got sacked, and fumbled the ball. What's worse? <laughs> yeah. That's pretty bad. So he had one play in Cleveland, and it was a sack fumble. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But
0: Josh Johnson is very much still in the league. And has, like, a 10-year career. But that's right the thing
2: now. nobody realizes, like, Josh was not this practice squad guy that got no. like one game and one team. He's been in the league, like, 11 years now, yeah. or 10 years. Started and games. I like, played with him in Cincinnati. Yeah, and he's actually pretty good. He's good. Yeah. Like, we got him right at the beginning of his career. I think it was probably year two or three maybe at the time. Yeah, because I think he came we we signed or something. Him. Yeah, uh, right at the end of the season. But uh, he is now forever etched in my memory and uh, – whatever shabby legacy that I have. <laughs> you know what's funny about the, the Connor Shaw message? That's the most I've heard him talk. Yeah, he doesn't talk because his accent is so hick and country, you can't understand he him. He never said so anything. he must have been going most... to voice lessons and classes. He's a coach so it... now, so now he has well, to talk. there you talk. go. So everyone's probably like, what did he just say? He so was like the perfect rookie, knows. the
0: perfect young guy. He never yeah. said anything. Yeah. and so he, he, did, he was so quiet that going into that last game that he started – we were so unsure about him because we
2: never heard him say anything.
0: And then he actually played pretty solid. <laughs> yeah, was, we almost beat Baltimore. Yeah, they he was, had to
2: beat us to go to the playoffs, and we almost beat him with Connor Shaw. Yeah, he there. was like a
0: competitor. Like, yeah. I, Shanahan loved him. Oh, he was oh, yeah.
2: man, we can win with this guy. You know, Tremendous amount of respect for because Connor. Because we had to deal with some other guys that year that d- the desire was questionable. It was a wild ride. Yeah, it, it was, was a, a wild ride. ride. But uh, having Connor in there, I think at least you knew a guy that, that was going to prepare He was going to be ready to go out there and give his best effort, and he was willing to die in that field to try to win Week 17 against the Ravens to give us win number uh, four or whatever it was. That's what you want. Speaking of wild
0: rides, I got someone who's been on a wild ride with you. Playing him right now. Here we go.
2: Joe, it's Brady Quinn, one of the many quarterbacks that you helped block for during your time with the Cleveland Browns. and uh, just wanted to call and congratulate you on a Hall of Fame career, a legendary career. And I want to tell you what a pleasure it was. I know it was only three years together, uh, but I couldn't imagine a better teammate, a better friend. I wish you nothing but the best as you move on to many great things in the future. There you go,
0: Brady Quinn. He came in with you,
2: right? We were rookies together. He was a first-round pick the same year as I was. Why do we get so many years where we have double first-rounders? Well, because I'll tell you why. That year was unique. We actually traded our 2008 first-round pick with Dallas Mm -hmm. to get their 2007 first-round pick because Brady was still on the board. It was the Aaron Rodgers slide. They were saying, Brady, you might go first, you might go third, you might go fourth, and he slides all the way to like 23 or 21, somewhere in there. And so Cleveland came up. And took him, and Dallas thought they were getting a great deal. They were like, oh, Cleveland? They're always going to suck. So we're going to trade next year's first with them, and we'll get a high first-round pick next year. And unfortunately for Mr. Jones, we won 10 games that year and picked in the 20s. So oh, wow. his pick actually did not pay off, and it was about the same as it was uh, would have been the year before. Does anybody know who Dallas picked with That's that pick? That's a great pick? question. I'm not sure. Let's, let's uh, it was. kick it
0: to our
1: researchers. It was the running back from Arkansas.
0: Oh, Darren McFadden. McFadden.
1: No, the other one. <laughs>
0: Uh, who was Another the other one? one? Yeah, because there was like three of them: Peyton Hillis, Hillis, played Peyton, there. Hillis? <laughs> Peyton Hillis, McFadden, and there was a. Th- you're right. There was a, the other guy,
2: Felix Jones. Felix yes, Jones. Yes, that's yeah, who. Yeah, was yeah. It. He actually had a good career. Yes, yeah, so that wasn't I, a bad pick for him. Yeah, it was probably a toss up between him and Brady. But but either way, so him and I were first round picks together. We were roommates. The, because when you're a rookie, you have a roommate when you're on the road. Is um, that why you do triceps and biceps so much? Because you room with <laughs> It's Brady actually clean? funny. I never really lifted that hard. I mean, I did. Until like, you met Brady. Yeah, right. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, until later in my career, I started lifting like the stuff you don't need, like biceps and triceps. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but early in my career, I was like, I just want to be a football player. So I just want I, it power was clean. like power cleans, squats, bench, Let's push, truck, lats, back. Like there was no cosmetic lifting whatsoever. Until later in my career.
0: Okay, I got that. Okay,
2: I like it. I, you, cl- you can tell Brady's uh, doing a lot of media stuff these days. He's very polished. Yeah, he, he wanted to make sure he uh, was very serious in that voice. Is that not the real Brady? Quinn? That's not the real Brady. Quinn. Ah, okay. And, and you Tom gotta Hawk listen Hawk to take. every time I go on Brady's XM radio show. I get the real Brady Quinn out, and I think his fans <laughs> love it. So I, that's why I love going on there and, and poking him a little bit because we have a little bit of the same sense of humor, although he tries to be more buttoned up than me. yeah. Uh, but I get it out of him, and it's fun. We'll have to have him on the I'm Tomahawk I'm excited
0: show. about getting Brady Quinn on the yeah, Tomahawk be fun. show because it's, it's only fun. right. All right, let's get to some more of these questions. Uh,
2: favorite Browns jersey? This is an easy so one. So i school, always I, right? The the brown, Browns jersey with Cleveland on the front and the white pants. That's my favorite. So you like the new jerseys better than the old ones? Um, are you going to go on record you know that? I, to be totally honest i don't have that strong of opinion on new versus old but i do like the cleveland on the chest that's something i've always enjoyed i like it all right tell Ooh. me this funniest fan funniest teammate that you ever had uh, the funniest teammate there's been so many funny teammates it's, it's really it's <laughs> fun including me joe besides hawk you were such an that. asshole when i first met you <laughs> you can't qualify. I don't even qualify you don't qualify Uh, I would say Robert Royal. He's a tight end that we had in those middle ages of my career. That was really funny. Matt Roth was another guy that was super funny. Yeah. Um, Tony Passos. I heard Robert Royal stories a couple of times. Dude, Robert Royal was so funny, man. Speaking of funny, we got some funny voicemails
1: from some celebrities that came in.
2: All right, here we go. Joe Thomas, Jeff Darlington here from ESPN. I feel like it's time for your audience now that you're retired and no longer have to maintain a – a, a, a stereotype of dignity. How you got the nickname the Vanilla Volcano, dating back to the Super Bowl in Dallas. We had a wonderful Super Bowl party. It's celebrities everywhere. But there you were in the corner knocking over glasses, knocking over liquor bottles, everything in your past while you danced the night away, Joe Thomas. You are the Vanilla Volcano. They might say that you're a Hall of Fame left tackle. You're a Hall of Fame dancer, Joe. Congrats and good luck in retirement. Joe, Mike Simon here. Just want to congratulate you on your retirement. No one did it better, no one made it look easier, and no one wore Cleveland on their sleeve quite like you. Uh, You know, I got to get you in the kitchen now, teach you how to cook a little bit, so your chef coat and Hall of Fame coat could kind of come at the same time. You know, a little Johnstown love, as Hawk would say, got to get you and guys in the kitchen. We'll get it all worked out. Be good, big man, and congrats.
0: Hey, Joe Thomas, this is Gary Owen, your best friend that you don't really know because I only met you once. But I just want to congratulate you on a great career with the Cleveland Browns. Um, you don't have as much wear and tear on your body as other athletes because you didn't really make the playoffs a lot, I think, one game. But that's cool. Uh, I never made the playoffs either, ever, high school, junior high, or um, or the pros. I didn't, I didn't really go to the pros. I didn't even go to college. So, Anyways, man, congratulations. Good luck on your retirement. You're one of those guys I know is going to be successful in whatever venture you decide to do. All right, man. This is Gary Owen. Uh, my website's GaryOwen.com. Might as well plug my own stuff since I'm on your show. All right, man. Congrats. All right. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds great, man. I love those guys. That's so funny. Vanilla Volcano. So we know you're the best dancer that you So ever I'm with. the
2: best dancer of all time now. Mm-hmm. My, my knees can't handle the dance moves like they used to, but... Uh, Every now and then it's funny. My, my kids know that I like to turn the dance music on sometimes when dad's alone with them at home. Uh-huh. And I'll, <laughs> I'll crank that up on the Sonos like super loud where the windows are rattling. And we'll just throw a dance party where we're just going crazy. And it's a lot of fun. But I've only got about five minutes in me before my knees and my back start going out. Before, before I got to get the walk around. Yeah, I, I need those uh, anti-inflammatories. So. I'm a vanilla volcano still, but it's only like five minutes in a time instead of like five hours. That's hilarious. Dancing in the locker
0: room. Now, we, we know that you said that you, one thing you'll miss about the league is the locker room. What is one
2: thing from the locker room that you won't miss? One thing I won't miss? Yeah. That's a good question. Um, whenever somebody says that's a good question, they're stalling for time. In, yeah. case, in case you're wondering. I'm, I'll I'm give trying you one thing that I don't miss about Yeah, the tell me what room. you think.
0: I never understood why we don't have separated showers. Year. i heard you say that a million times. Oh my! I love it it me. I've said it to the the head co- to multiple head coaches in, in my tenure. I've said it to owners. I've said it to all the powers that be. I don't get how we have holograms, we have virtual reality, augmented reality. There's going to Uber is piloting flying cars, and we can't get dividers up in the men's shower. I don't understand it. Like, and I hate when people are like, talk about you know work workplace conduct and how a locker room has to be. I'm all for that. But there's not a workplace in the world where all the guys shower together. <laughs> that is weird. I feel like there should be it should be a, a, a league uh, mandate. Like, you know what, we're gonna put some some dividers up in the showers with curtains. Yeah. And, you know, now you won't have any Yeah. The problems, if there ever is, and it won't be there. You can just have your own shower. It just makes all the
2: sense in the world. Is, is there a story you'd like to tell us that you're a little bit scarred from that well, uh, you really thing, feel that this is
0: an important issue? So if we're going to get people in the locker room here on the Tomahawk Show, which is what we do, right, <laughs> I just never understood. And I won't drop any names because <laughs> Boy, please don't. Know, I, I don't want to put anybody like out there like that. But what I never – there's a certain etiquette when taking a shower in a locker room. So for people who don't know, literally after practice, everyone goes into a big room or after the game and there's – Probably, depending on how big it is, it could be anywhere from 20 to, to 35 guys in
2: one room, shower heads. But there's not 35 shower heads. I think that's the important thing to, yeah. to remember. It's like a prison shower. So, so there's like lies. eight showers, and you line up. You're standing there naked or maybe holding a towel.
0: Naked, like, yeah, it's like, it's like jail. Lining up. It's you're like in, jail. And you are waiting one for it. shower head exactly. opens up, you, the shower heads are maybe two feet apart. They're really close. So they're very close proximity. You could proximity. actually shower two heads on one body. Yes, and I think there have been times where people have shared shower heads. Like spray it in the middle. You one guy stand on one side, washes it up. Yeah, like face the opposite direction. Yeah. But the, the, the proper etiquette is to face of the wall when you shower. <laughs> so I would always get uncomfortable with the guys that do the face outward thing. Yeah. You know, because it's like there's not really an opportunity to have privacy, and then you're really invading men because you're not going through proper unwritten protocols.
2: So that's my thing that I don't miss about the yeah, locker room. Yeah, you know what? That really jogged my memory because the one thing I won't miss, I think, about the locker room, and it, it didn't bother me that much because after a while I would think to myself, God, you're such an old fuddy-duddy. Like, just <laughs> lighten up, you idiot. <laughs> but the locker room DJs, that's one thing I won't miss. Yeah, Not necessarily the that there's one guy that's the DJ, but it's the four guys that all bring their boombox and – play at maximum level, whatever they're listening to. And it's not even necessarily the content. It's that there's four different boom boxes going at the same time. So you, not only can you not talk to the guy that's next to you and I'm, I'm old school. I like human interaction. Right. I like talking to my teammates and having laughs in the locker room, but you can't talk to your teammates. You can't even listen to the music because it's four <laughs> things going on. One's hip hop, one's rock and roll, one's gospel. And then the other one, you can't even tell what it is. Cause right. it's so bad. And it's all going at the same time, and it mixes together in this horrible mosh pit of music. And you can't hear your own uh, thoughts Yeah, and- I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like, The one thing I did like about Mangini, because he thought of every way to make your life miserable. Uh-huh. But the first <laughs> no day he got hired, he literally took everybody's boom boxes from the locker room. And everything they had that they made either music or TV or iPods, whatever it was, and he had them boxed up and shipped to your house. (laughs) And he said, there's no more music or TVs in the locker room. Oh, wow. But uh, going off of that, I I have a question for both of you guys. Locker room etiquette. Okay. Specifically, shower etiquette, like you were mentioning. Uh There's guys, and this is a recent phenomenon. I won't name any names, but they're so convinced that you want to hear their music that they actually bring their boombox into the shower and they'll put it on, like, the little soap bar ledge yeah they have the little portable and players. and they're yeah. they're djing even in the shower. the shower area do you think that's poor etiquette or is that acceptable i'm with you maybe we're just old because i hated people playing their music
0: because i thought all their music sucked number one <laughs> um but they would be so proud of it they were like, i don't get like yo put some headphones, yeah, put some on. headphones on like I, I just don't understand it like yeah. i don't want to hear what you got to play because i think your tasted music yeah. is trash
1: I just think you guys are old fuddy-duddies. Yeah, Probably. that's true. We so, are, the last question. We are OFDs. <laughs> and, and
2: this is a, a, a brief story that gave me a lot of shock in the NFL locker room. Uh-huh. Uh, and I want to hear your thoughts if I'm an idiot or uh, what. But I got into the locker room and I went into the shower. This is a couple years ago. And there was a player in the shower and he was FaceTiming with his girlfriend in the shower. Okay. Now, it wasn't sexual by any stretch of the mind. They right. were just talking. But... I felt that it was a little bit strange that this player yeah. was FaceTiming with his girlfriend while he was in the shower, and you're in the background. And then now I'm in the background. <laughs> yeah, not not necessarily the nudity side of it, but I just thought it was strange that you couldn't wait the two minutes to finish your shower, towel off, and FaceTime your girl. That you had to do it like while you're in the shower. Definitely weird. Definitely have been in that situation where I've walked by and like so someone's on. It's FaceTime. not. Uh, yeah, it's not only been one person. I've seen it multiple times. Yeah,
0: and I'm like, yo, you're in a locker room. People are like naked. You know, I mean, cameras in general in a locker room, even if you're not intended to, you'll get some crossfire in the background. We've seen it happen oh, before.
2: Yeah. It happened in the Vikings with uh, Vasily yeah. Shenko, I think maybe five or six years ago, where a-, a legitimate news station was interviewing somebody, and he was in the background changing because, for those of you that don't know, after games and especially during the week with practice, the, the media's in the locker room with cameras and recorders while everyone's like, changing and showering. So right. there's naked guys everywhere, and there's men and women in the locker room, you know, enjoying the sights and sounds of the locker room and getting the reaction right after a game. But uh, there was a legitimate station filming somebody talking, and Vasantyshchenko was, like, naked in the background. And they didn't realize <laughs> it, and they put it on, like, regular news in Minnesota, and they had a lot of pushback, obviously. I hate the fact that the media comes into the locker room. I think it's the dumbest thing ever. You know what? When Reggie White was – with Green Bay, that was a big thing that he was trying to get enacted. No media in the locker room. Like, in what other workspace do they bring cameras and media to interview while you're showering and while you're naked and just think it's okay? Like, because they want the right off-the-field reaction, like, to spikes, but it's like... But they don't do it in
1: college. It's stupid.
2: Nobody does it in college. It's only an NFL thing.
0: Yeah, it's dumb. I don't get it. I don't understand it. Well, you're talking
1: about weird and uncomfortable. Let's listen to a weird and uncomfortable voicemail here. What up, Joe? Just want to say congrats on your career, man. This Carlos Dunlap, see it twice a year for the last
0: eight years. You had a heck of a run, man. Big ups to you. Respect. I see why them boys got them a 4-4 quarterback in Tyron. Stay tuned for me and Shaquille O'Neal, your twin opposites, new release record call.
1: Stacks on Stacks on Stacks.
2: I'm <laughs> with my guy Dunlap, man. So there was no goodbye at the end of that. No, that was he it. Just Promoted his album stacks on stacks on stacks oh, on stacks on stacks. Oh, yeah. stacks on sacks on sacks on stacks so,
0: on sacks. So I think he's just saying, "Hey, I'm glad you retired. <laughs> Shit's about to get real in
2: ASC <laughs> I love it, man. That's awesome. I, I love the spirit. Carlos is a guy that I played a bunch of football against. Great player, great pass rusher. Uh, fun to play against, sort of. Stupid until he's athletic. kicking your ass. Super athletic. I hate that. The only reason he dropped so in the draft, to... there was like some he weird got... like character issue, like yeah. problem right before the draft. Since he got a lot of guys, but like since that. he got him uh, with a great deal because he was like he's like six six, two eighty and he yeah. runs like a four six. I mean he's a total freak. He's a freak, man. He's a great freak. Great spin move, great power rush. All right, so how many offensive coordinators have you played with? Wow. Nine a lot. I think it's nine. I think it's nine. You truly Almost every year of my career, yeah. if the head coach didn't change, the offensive coordinator didn't. So my first two years, Rob Chudzinski was the offensive coordinator. Uh-huh. My next two was Brian Dayball. And then from that point until Hugh, I, I retired, we had a different offensive yeah. coordinator every year. But if you remember with Hugh – his first year oh, Pep was the guy. Pep was actually the offensive coordinator. Now yeah. it was Hugh's offense and he was kind of running the show, but yeah. Pep technically had the title of offensive coordinator. Then year 11 for me it was Hugh and if I would have played this year It'd it would be, be another one. <laughs> so for the last what is that? 8 9 seasons in uh-huh. Cleveland they've had a different offensive coordinator every single season. That's wild. So that's why I feel Give me like a top I'm, 5. Well, that's why I feel like I'm especially uh, able to be a yeah. Really well. So there's not an offense that you, there's not an seen. offense that I have not seen. There's not a not bullshit
0: line that you haven't heard. <laughs> That's awesome though. Give me your top five coordinators. Nope. Oh, no order. Just hard. hard. We can go top three.
2: Well, I'll, I'll say my favorite three were probably Shanahan, mm-hmm. Hugh and North Turner. I would say were um, Who's honorable mentions. Uh, probably. I would say Chud was up there. He was a pretty uh-huh. good coordinator. Um, We'll go there. We'll go, three in, <laughs> we'll go
0: three in an honorable mention. Those are, yeah, good, those are, yeah, those are good choices. Yeah, I like them. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. You, probably,
0: you had to play for the most opposite coordinators in NFL history.
2: It's got to be up there. I've played for so many and Eleven so many like, different offenses, really. I think when Kyle came here, I was especially excited. He's got a great offense. But also, that was the last offense, I think, that I needed to play in to yeah. be able to play in every single scheme in the NFL.
0: Well, there you go. All right, so we're going to play another voicemail. Um, and then we're going to get into a, a story that I think everyone wants to hear.
1: Joe Thomas, man, Jonathan Ogden. Just wanted to call to congratulate you, man, on a hell of a career. Obviously, it doesn't seem that long ago that you were a rookie, and I was when my last year. We were out there talking on the field in Cleveland about what it takes to make it in this league. I guess you figured that out. Plus, um, but uh, enjoy retirement and doing all the things that I know you're going to do in uh, about five years or so from now. Look forward to seeing you in Canton getting one of those gold jackets. Way to hold down the uh, AFC North best tackle in the league for a while like I did. Good job, man.
0: There you go, Jonathan Ogden, the legend.
2: That's pretty awesome, man. He was a guy that I looked up to when I was a young player. I mean, it was fun watching him. He was a player that physically was so much more gifted than me that I wasn't able to do the things that he could do. (laughs) But it was still fun because I think biomechanically you could take a lot of things from what he was able to do and extrapolate and put it into my own game. Yeah. Again, you're tuned to
0: The Tomahawk Show. This is a special uh, Joe retirement episode. We're talking things from his career. We're hearing voicemails from, from fans, personalities, people he's played with. Now, Ogden won a Super Bowl in, what, 2000 with the Yeah, the
2: 2001 Ravens? Super Bowl, I think, yep. with
0: the Ravens, the 2000 season. Okay, so you almost won a Super Bowl. In I 20- did, I did. yes. 15? I was, was very close. Year? Never made the playoffs. but Never made the playoffs, sport. but you were like up t- five minutes away from winning the <laughs> Super Bowl, which is amazing in itself. You almost got traded to the Broncos. And NFD, correct me if I'm wrong, right? What other details am I missing here?
1: That seems correct. And it was like,
0: wasn't it like the and trade went, just didn't go through? And they went to the Super Bowl that year. Yeah,
2: and and they, they won. They ended up going to the Super Bowl and winning.
1: Joe, Talk tell, us, that, yeah, tell that story from your perspective, Joe.
2: So from my perspective... I wasn't exactly totally looped in, but there was a lot of chatter that year before the trade deadline about me being traded. It's specifically to Denver because I think Ryan Clady was their left tackle, Pro Bowl left tackle, great left tackle, but he had ruptured a Achilles or a shoulder or something like that, and he was on IR. So they were looking for a left tackle. Peyton Manning was the quarterback, and they needed somebody to block for Peyton. You know, he'd already had ten neck surgeries, and he was uh, one toothpick away from turning into dust. And they needed somebody to be able to protect him for the run. Because they had a really good team, obviously. Um, So as the trade deadline was coming closer, I had heard specifically even from my agent that Denver was in significant, serious talks with Cleveland. And they were trying to trade for me. And I was like, "Uh, okay. It was bittersweet. Obviously, I love Cleveland. I love being part of the team. I wanted to be in Cleveland for the turnaround. I wanted to be part of that process. Uh, I didn't want to be traded. Yeah. But if you're going to get traded, which as a player, you don't have a choice. I right. mean, you, yeah, really you're, nice. you're under contract. Unless you have a no-trade clause, you have no choice when you get traded. Uh, but being tr- traded anywhere and being traded to Denver, which is a great city, great organization, and playing for Peyton Manning and a great team, uh-huh. would have been a good situation to be traded to. Right? Best-case scenario. So I don't remember what the details were, but essentially I think the agreement was it was agreed upon in principle, I think, between Denver and Cleveland where it was – Maybe a first round pick and a player they were gonna trade for me. But what happened was I think, being that I'd already made, I don't know, six or seven Pro Bowls and start was kind of making a name for myself within the organization and in the community. The general manager at the time, I don't even remember if it, it was, was Ray Farmer, Farmer or who yeah. it was. I think there he was pretty concerned about if you trade me, that's gonna be sort of what you're known for that's unless his, you go on, on it and win a Super Bowl. And and if things don't go great that's going to be like what you'd have to overcome the rest of your career, right. especially if I went on and continued making Pro Bowls and won a Super Bowl in Denver, or whatever the rest of my career was. And so I think he wasn't comfortable with it, even though it was a good deal. Denver had offered, like I said, I think okay. Shaq, Shaq Barrett, and a first-round pick or something like that. Yeah, I would have dealt you I like so it bad. Was, yeah, I like. It was, it was a no-brainer. Like, Let's call him Shaq Barrett. Let's make it the Thomas Shaq show. Yeah. Thomas Shaq show would be killing right now. I mean, it was a good deal. I think they kind of agreed upon it, but what Ray, I think, ended up doing is he thought, you know, I don't want to be known as the guy that traded you. And so I'm just going to let the trade deadline expire so that I don't have to say yes or no, because it was a good, it was a good offer. Yeah, Um but was a tough situation for him. It was a tough situation. So I'm going to tell a quick story based upon that. That I've never told before. Oh, I never told anybody. Yes. So I love Tomahawk There was takes. a um, a quarterback at the time in Denver, who's a pretty well known quarterback, uh-huh. who actually sent me a text about a week or so before the trade deadline and said, "Hey, can you give me a call?" And I'm like, this is a, "A number I don't have saved in my phone." And I'm like, "No, <laughs> I'm not calling somebody I don't know." <laughs> and he's like, "It's your drinking buddy from the Pro Bowl." And I'm like, "Who would that be?" <laughs> like, Annie. So like, I call them, and the the player. The player hangs up or uh, answers and says, you know, doesn't even really uh, totally identify himself. He's like, hey, we're trying to get you to Denver. And I'm like, well, yeah, I appreciate that, you know, but I'm happy in Cleveland. He's like, we really need you, man. We could, we could, we could use you. <laughs> and I'm like, all right. And all right. Uh, he's, like, but, he's like, but you need to do something because Cleveland doesn't want to get rid of you. I'm like, okay. He's like, you need to go upstairs and pull your pants down and take a dump on your <laughs> GM's <laughs> desk and they'll trade you. <laughs> and I'm like – I don't think that's going to happen, but I appreciate the love. <laughs> he's like, "Well, just want to let you know we really love you here. We'd love to, we'd love to get you. And uh, if you could, if you could make something work on your end, that would be really helpful." <laughs> I'm like, "Wow, that means you're a lot. You're I love just being slap loved, your but, head coach. Uh, real quick. You know, that's not who I am. I really love Cleveland, um, but thanks yeah. a lot. And I can't like, believe right, Brock and we Osweiler never had this conversation. Would call and make that, <laughs> that suggestion,
0: Brock. You are nuts if you're listening right now, Osweiler. That's crazy. But yeah, I remember that day." I remember because we would always sit and talk at lunch, and I remember coming in the morning, sitting beside you, and I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know, like, the, the rumors and stuff. And typically we talk about everything, and I remember thinking, like, man, Joe seems really, really distant today. Like, your mind was <laughs> yes, gone. Like, was you saying. were you were very stressed about yeah. what was going to happen or transpire over that day. Yeah, no doubt. And it was uh, – I made a testament to you, man. You wanted to be in Cleveland. Even mm. now, Then winning the Super Bowl, you still don't regret it. Like, this no. is – that, and that's the awesome part. That's why it makes, what makes you a Cleveland legend. Speaking of Cleveland legends, Cleveland Browns legends. Here we go, right? We got another voicemail for you. Hey, Joe.
2: Congratulations, man. This is Jim Brown calling. He had a great career. Next stop, all the same, Congratulations, my guy.
0: There we go. The
1: legend himself. So now you guys both played here, and Jim Brown's here around the building all the time. What's it like to have a legend like that? What has, how much does he interact with you guys? What have you benefited from him?
2: It's pretty awesome. I mean, I've got to know Jim pretty well over the years, and everybody knows what he's done off the field, um, socially, in the community, for the team, um, for minorities specifically with his AmeriCAN program. But later in my career, it was really cool because Hugh brought him around a lot, and he was able to be with the team and kind of talk about his AmeriCAN program and all the great impacts it has on on lives in, in the inner city communities um and it's just been really neat being able to hear about his life and and with all the things that he's been able to accomplish in his life he's still really humble and approachable and i thought like, that was one of the coolest things because if no face stands on the browns let's uh-huh. just let's just throw that out there okay and he walks into the meal room and jim brown's sitting at the table You can sit down with Jim and have a 25- or 30-minute conversation, and he's going to treat you the same way he would if the owner sat down next to him. And so I think having a guy like that that's so willing to talk about issues with players, talk about uh, not only on-the-field stuff but off-the-field stuff, in-the-community stuff, how to make an impact on people's lives um, is really awesome. And and to have him as somebody I can call a friend and somebody that would be kind enough and spend some time to – call into our crazy voicemail line and leave a nice <laughs> message is pretty neat <laughs> to
0: get jim brown to call in a voicemail that <laughs> has you got to be special I, I can't get jim brown to call <laughs> and say anything to me but he is cool if you wanted to sit down and talk with him all right so now we got to transition to what's next all the is out there about you getting into the broadcast game and where you're going to be at before i guess we talk to it, we'll play another voicemail from a a friend of the show Hey there, buddy. It's uh, Bob Mallory here, broadcasting extraordinaire, I guess if that's what they call me. Not even really quite sure who the hell you are. I I just drank my third 12-pack and I saw this number posted on the bathroom stall at Waffle House. Anyways, look, quick Google search later showed me you're hanging up the old football cleats and coming into my world. Well, my friend. I am a made man in this game, and you're just some
1: Joe Schmo sugar tits, so you're going to have to bring your egg. Oh, my God, Peter, no, that is not a brownie. Look, 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 I, I got to go. Congratulations on the retirement, okay? Peter and I are very, very
2: proud of you. Peter, put down the brownie. Put it down. <laughs> friend Bob Minnery at the show here at the Tomahawk. <laughs> That guy is amazing. I can't believe you got
0: him to call him. Hey, you know what? He, he took time out of his busy schedule <laughs> to let you know you're, you're stepping into his world now. The broadcast he's game. a made man. That he's, was so awesome. He's man. a made man in this game. So he, Tell me about what, what you're going to be doing besides the Tomahawk show, which will funny. continue on in perpetu- perpetuity until somebody dies. And in which case, you'll replace either me with AJ Hawk or I'll have to replace you with another athlete. The other Joe Thomas. The <laughs> other Joe Thomas, the linebacker. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the Tomahawk show will live forever. But t- Tell us about like what's what's brewing, what's exciting to you, what are you hearing?
2: It's been a really exciting offseason. Truthfully, as I kind of started to contemplate retirement, I really didn't even think about going into the broadcast space. Um, I started to do a, a podcast with the Browns. We did some in-depth interviews with the players, and the last few years I've been doing the Joe Thomas Hour which has been fun, but I was just doing it for fun, really, more than anything. Mm-hmm. And I went on the Road Tripping podcast, uh-huh. and that's how we got the Tomahawk show. They yep. uninterrupted heard me. They liked me, and they decided to stick me with another slapdick. They were like, like, you Andrew know what, Hawkins. We get too slappy <laughs> <Yeah>, together. <laughs> we might have perfect. something here. <laughs> yeah, that would be radio gold. <laughs> uh, but anyways, all of a sudden, out of the woodwork, ESPN's calling. NFL Network's calling. Fox is calling. ABC. Jeez. Just all the major networks are calling and saying, hey, why don't you think about broadcasts? Why don't you think about doing a desk job with us? And then from there, I went and did NFL Live with ESPN, and I think I got pretty good reviews there. And all of a sudden, Fox is like, hey, we've got an opening on Thursday Night Football. Why don't you come out and interview and audition for the color job? Something that I never even considered. And I'm like, wow, this is unbelievable. Like, I can't believe they're bringing me in. Maybe they're doing it out of courtesy. I don't know. But uh, they're letting me come in and audition for these – massive jobs in something that I never even considered in my entire life. So, Are you it's making a sure whirlwind. to tell them we're, we're a package deal? I have. I said okay. the only way I'm going to do it is if it's a three-man booth with me and NFD, yes. and the hawk can be the producer. Exactly. As long
0: as we all make over a million apiece <laughs> per year, um, that's where you start every conversation as your agent. So I'm you gonna, lead
2: with the money you want, You lead right? oh, that's the with good, the money. The good piece of advice.
0: <laughs> no, that's well. awesome, though, man. I, I think what, one thing... As as another made man in this industry, <laughs> I think one thing you're gonna figure out as you like start to do this stuff, because I you know I do NFL Live on ESPN, I do Sports Center outside. line. Yeah, you're the, the
2: trailblazer, you were the one that was you know, blazing the path for I'm me. blazing
0: the path for you. Now I'm now I'm leading the way for you. <laughs> Thanks, how man. about that? The one thing you're gonna realize is how much power you're gonna have. Because like everything in the football world goes through like the media, the talking heads, like what you say and start pumping. Is gonna be like fact to everybody, so everyone's gonna start kissing up to you. Everyone's gonna start <laughs> like, damn time hitting you up. <laughs> now you're gonna be, you're really gonna be the guy, and I can't wait for it. Yeah, the the hour, the Joe Thomas hour is spreading oh, man.
1: across people, the nation. People are really in trouble because I'm yeah. gonna be hammering guys right and <laughs> left all day. That's all you do. People will be wanting to hug you. That yes. leads us into our next voicemail.
0: Joe, LeBron here. Congratulations on an unbelievable NFL career, and uh I just want to say thank you from you know a guy that get an opportunity to watch it weekly. you know the sacrifice that you had every single week to go out there and play for the franchise that you loved and um you know it was unbelievable man so um you know I know you're gonna have a lot of fun post career uh, but it was a lot of fun watching you and best of luck to you um and hopefully you know I can continue to watch you especially when you go across that uh across that stage when you get that jacket down in hand so my brother my friend appreciate you and until next time enjoy retirement man that's dope I feel like he left me that message
2: thank you LeBron <laughs> when he heard you walked away from the Patriots <laughs> yeah. he was like man I gotta call that Andrew Hawkins
0: I think we're gonna if we could just cut that out put my name in there and I'll play it <laughs> I just play I use it as my ringtone yeah
2: I Hello, Andrew. <laughs> Hello, Andrew. Andrew, <laughs> you guys really did a great job finding that LeBron impersonator. I mean, that <laughs> yeah. sounded just like him. <laughs> you know how
1: much money that cost
0: us—the
2: <laughs> whole budget of Tomahawk. Oh, gosh,
0: we are now. There's going to be no shows for the rest of the year.
2: You know what was cool is uh, he was the only guy so far that was able to just say one name and everybody knew who yeah. he was. Even Jim <laughs> Brown was like, "Hi, this is Jim Brown." <laughs> yeah. With LeBron, he's like, "Yo, this is LeBron," and everyone's like, like, "Oh L. my God, it's really LeBron." <laughs> like,
0: Everyone paused.
2: Nobody was like, I wonder what his last name was. Was that <laughs> LeBron, LeBron Who? LeBron
0: Who. No, that, but that's awesome, though, man. <laughs> wow, like, again, cool. it's a testament to who you are. You know, obviously, both Cleveland legends and, and what you've been able to accomplish and, from the football, from in the community, and specifically this community of, of Cleveland. You know, and, and the fact that, they, again, you can get these guys to come out and, and wish you congratulations says a lot about who
2: you are as a person and as a player. It's pretty special. It's been mm-hmm. A really fun show and obviously you guys spent a lot of money getting all these people to come and yeah. call in and give me a voicemail which brings uh, but i definitely enjoyed it my next point is i'm gonna need to borrow some money for, my, <laughs> for rent this month um, <laughs> nfd's the rich one here in the three-way yeah i think he could loan us all some money he owns the browns so <laughs> we should
0: I, I wish people didn't even see half your face because we could just do like twitter polls of who they think which which dan they think this is this could be a former player
2: Dan Snyder, actually. No-face Dan (laughs) Snyder. (laughs) No-face He's tired of the Redskins.
0: All right, well, I think that does it for today's Tomahawk, man. We're going to outro with some more uh, fan voicemails that we're going to play. And, you know, we appreciate it. Hit us up on Twitter, as always. Hashtag Tomahawk. Like, subscribe, rate five stars anywhere podcasts are available. And, as always, we appreciate you coming and joining us here on the Tomahawk Show. We'll let the fans take it from here.
1: Hey, Joe. Tyler from Aubrey, Australia here. Congratulations on a great career from all the Browns down under.
0: What's up, Joe? My name's RJ, and I live way down in West Texas. And although I've been a Texan my whole life, I was wearing orange and brown before I could walk and
1: talk. And you, sir, have been one of my favorite players ever, ever. Hey, Jim. My name is Sean from South Carolina, and I'm a lifelong Browns fan, and I just want you to know when my son, who is six, uh, goes into situations where he's committed and wants to quit or wants to leave, you're one of the stories I'm going to point him toward. Hey Joe, it's Jen from Rochester, New York. I've had your jersey for 11 seasons and I've worn it each season. And I am so proud to know that I can continue to rock number 73 because you are forever a Brown and of course headed for Canton. Thank you for being the kind of player that I'm proud to have my kids look up to. And uh, I hope you uh, always stay with us and stay with the team in some capacity, represent us and uh, be the face of our franchise forever. Words really cannot describe everything
0: that you meant for Cleveland. You have shown this city what it takes to be a legend on and off the field. You and your name will live forever in Cleveland. So thank
1: you for everything you've done. Thank you so much for all you've done. Thank you for everything. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of Cleveland. Thank you, Joe. Thank you very much. Thanks for everything. I guess there's only one thing left to say. Joe Hawk yourself.